Tonight, I want us to take some encouragement from one of the Old Testament's great prophets. If you would open your Bibles to Jeremiah 20, we're going to notice a period of time in Jeremiah's life where he had to persevere. This is just one account of that. And I want us to try to take with us the ambition of Jeremiah. That's what I've entitled tonight's sermon, The Ambition of Jeremiah. Notice beginning with verse 7. Jeremiah said, O Lord, You induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, Violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced, then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will greatly be ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. As Christians, we learn so much from this wonderful man, this prophet of God, Jeremiah. Jeremiah had every reason to quit if you were to ask those who were surrounding him, those who were not faithful to God, but he did not quit. But I believe one of the things we overlook when we look at the life of Jeremiah, and we look at this instance in particular, not that we haven't heard it or that we do not academically understand it, but I think that often we overlook the fact that Jeremiah did want to quit. He wanted to stop what he was doing. He wanted to stop preaching in the name of the Lord. He was sick and tired of the treatment that he was receiving at the hands of those who were around him. And he wanted to stop doing that. In fact, he said, I'm never even going to mention God to those mockers any longer. We might say they can just have it. But he didn't quit. He kept going. And that is an emotion that often in our lives we are going to have to conquer ourselves. We're going to have to conquer the desire to say, I give up because what I'm doing, it doesn't seem to matter anyway. I imagine that's the way Noah felt from time to time. But like Jeremiah, and as we take encouragement from him, we need to be able to look at what's going on and to consider the purpose for which God has chosen us. And He has chosen us. And we have to keep right on going. I think we learned that from Jeremiah. To be successful, I want us to look at the ambition of Jeremiah. I want us to focus on accomplishing those things that we can accomplish. And we can accomplish a lot of things if we have the ambition to do it. If we have the drive to do it. If we have the desire to keep going, to persevere and head in the right direction. There was a woman named Wilma. 
Wilma didn't get a very good start in life. She was one of 22 children born to parents in Clarksville, Tennessee. At a young age, Wilma had polio. It left her with a crooked leg and a crooked left foot and braces that she had to wear on her legs. She wasn't able to walk without them. But after seven years of painful therapy, she was able to walk without the assistance of those braces. And at the age of 12 years old, she tried out for the school basketball team. Of course, she was not selected. Now, that didn't stop Wilma. Wilma had ambition. So she and some of her friends practiced every single day until she did make the school basketball team. Well, Wilma was able to attend college and at the Tennessee State University, the track coach saw her playing basketball. And he convinced her to allow him to train her in track and field. And so that's what she did. And in 1956, not only had she gotten good at track and field, she made another team, but it was this time the Olympic team. And while on the Olympic team, she went to Australia and she came home with a bronze medal. But that wasn't good enough for Wilma. So in 1960, Wilma again made the Olympic team, but this time in Rome, she won three gold medals. The most any woman had ever won. And she came home. And Wilma Rudolph became known as the fastest woman in the world. Why? Because she didn't quit. She had ambition. And she reached the goals that she had set before her. Often we want to quit in this life, don't we? Sometimes we even, or some people even want to quit on their families. I guess we've all wanted to quit a job or two. We want to Quit the church at times, don't we? We've been in positions, some of us, when things have happened in our lives where we want to quit God, in fact. But what do we do? Well, to strengthen ourselves spiritually, let us learn from Jeremiah, the great prophet of God. Let us look at his life and his ambition not to quit. But it was a struggle for him. Just like it will be a struggle for us at times not to quit. But we have to have ambition. As Jeremiah was living through the trials and the, the problems of his life, as he was a prophet of God and his desire to quit at times, we're going to notice as we look at our passage tonight, Jeremiah had a complaint. That's our first point. Jeremiah had a complaint. And you know what that complaint was? That complaint was, God, it is too hard. It's too hard. I do all I can do, but it is absolutely too hard. But notice what he said. You induced me. And I did it. Jeremiah was persuaded by God to continue to be a faithful prophet. Even though it was hard. Now at first he was reluctant. But when he came to better understand the mission God had set before him, he fulfilled that mission. He trudged ahead. In his mind, God and what God wanted him to do was useless for him to try to resist it. What a compliment for the character of the man Jeremiah. 
Though he tried, he could not resist what God wanted him to do. So he trudged ahead. He wanted to do what was right in the sight of God and he just simply had to do it. We've all had things in our lives that we looked at, we said maybe we shouldn't do it, but we just couldn't help ourselves and we did it anyway. Sometimes that's good and sometimes not so good, right? But in Jeremiah's case, it was good. God called him and he couldn't help but answer the call. God's still calling us today. Do we feel in ourselves, like Jeremiah did, in his heart like a burning fire shut up in his bones? Am I willing to answer the call? Paul proclaimed, Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. Do I have this feeling in, in myself that says I cannot help but answer that call? And it's, it is a call. Paul told those in Thessalonica that we're called by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 Do I have an ambition to want to answer that call? But where did Jeremiah end up for answering that call? What did that get Jeremiah? Ridicule? Being mocked? Being mistreated by not just his enemies, those who used to be his friends. But that's okay. Notice what he said, I'm in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. That's where it landed Jeremiah. The ambition that Jeremiah wanted to please God and do those things that he wanted him to do, it caused him to be derided. People mocked him. But now there is a problem with that mindset, isn't there? There's a problem with allowing the outside world to come into my mind and cause me to feel like what I'm doing doesn't matter any longer, though God has asked me to do it. People are mocking me, making fun of me. You know, Jesus talked about that. He warned His disciples. Luke 6, verse 22, He talked about how people would hate you, how they would exclude you, how they would revile you, how they would do evil things for you uh, to you because you speak in His name. We ought to expect that. That's not something new. That's not something peculiar to Rick Owens as he works within the church or anyone else for that matter. That's a common thing. Later he said, Matthew 24 verse 9, he said, they'll deliver you up. They're going to try to kill you all because of me. But what did the disciples do? Did the persecution that took place in Jerusalem Stifle the church? Oh, exactly the opposite. It multiplied. They went everywhere preaching the Word. He warned them, Christ did, and He warned us. We better be prepared. There are hardships that accompany faithfulness. You better get used to it. It's a short time in this life compared to eternity. But He wants us to consider the cost. That's why He warned us, right? We remember the parable, Luke 14, 28 through 30, the fellow that was going to build a tower. He didn't sit down, he didn't plan for the tower, and he laid the foundation and he ran out of money. Well, what happened? Well, he began to be mocked. People began to call him foolish. Now, what kind of application is that to us today? 
If we commit to Christ and then we stop before we reach our goal, God thinks we're foolish. That's application. That's what God wants us to consider and that's why Paul asked those in Galatia, do you remember? He said, you ran well. But who hindered you from obeying the gospel? Galatians 5 verse 7. Now what was Paul talking about? Paul wasn't talking about initial obedience to the gospel. Not that you ran well and then you failed to obey the gospel initially because he was writing to the church. They were Christians. They would already obeyed the gospel. But there's more to obedience than simply obeying the gospel. He said you ran well, you were being faithful, and then someone hindered you from continuing to obey the gospel. You stopped. You must not have counted the cost. And God thinks you're foolish. At first, Jeremiah thought his job was just too hard. That was his complaint. But that wasn't his only complaint. He also felt like the message was too harsh. I remember one time I wrote an article and I was talking about different belief systems of the world. And and my point was that the Bible is from God. We know the Bible is from God because God doesn't make any mistakes and the Bible's been proven. And then I began to point out some, some denominations of the world, some of the extreme denominations in the world. And I quoted from some of their writings. I quoted from uh, the Christian scientist religion where the founder, she said that it was impossible for people to die. And I simply put the date of her birth and the date of her death. Uh, I wrote about the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, and how Joseph Smith said that people lived on the moon. Later on, Brigham Young said people also lived on the sun. That was before anyone had ever been to the moon or really knew that much about the sun. And I quoted from a writing that he made, and and those writings can be found in the Utah Historical Society. And then I mentioned some things that you can find in the Quran, the religion of Islam, how Muhammad said that life begins as a drop of blood. And then that blood turns into flesh and and then that flesh turns into a bone, and then that bone is covered with skin, and and that's the process through which a person is formed. Well, we know that's not true. We know that's not the case, but that was before that scientists, man, had discovered that process of how the egg is fertilized, and then it begins to develop and turn into uh, a developed person. Someone told me, after I had written that article, and I wasn't unkind in the article, simply quoting from what these men and women had said, that I was too harsh. That that would be insulting to someone. I said, well, I don't really understand how it could be insulting to anyone because their leaders are the ones who spoke those words. And it was recorded that they spoke those words. But see, Jeremiah, he felt that the message was too harsh. What was the message? Well, Israel's going into Babylonian captivity. You're a bunch of idol worshipers. God's sick of it. He wants you to repent, turn back to Him, and if you don't, you'll be destroyed. Jeremiah didn't want to have to have to give that message. Not only was it a harsh message, it caused the people to hate him, didn't it? But that's not peculiar to Jeremiah. 
Paul talked about that too. He told Timothy there would come a time when people didn't want to hear sound doctrine. They wanted their ears to be scratched, 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. They wanted someone to teach what they wanted to hear. They wanted the message to fit their lifestyle instead of their lifestyles fitting the message. See, it's not peculiar to Jeremiah. I think we can understand Jeremiah's feelings toward that task. It had to have been hurtful. He loved his country. He loved his countrymen. I'm sure he loved his family. And some of members of his family may have been on the receiving end of that message. He didn't want them to endure the defeat at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar that he knew was coming. It was a harsh message. Our task isn't that much different, is it? Jesus tasked us with going into all the world and preaching the gospel, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. What if the message we deliver is one where people deride us for it? What if people were to mock us for that message? What if some of our own family members would ignore it? That sounds like all of us, doesn't it, in some fashion or other. So what do we do? Well, like Jeremiah, we continue to speak the message, right? If we have the ambition to do it. If it's like a fire shut up in our bones and and we can't hold it back. We deliver a message. It's a harsh message. But it's only harsh to those who ignore it. It's a wonderful, beautiful message to those who accept it. The problem is most people in the world think it's a, a message of foolishness, don't they? Paul said, for the message of the cross is foolish to who? Those who ignore it? Those who are, in his words, perishing, spiritually speaking. It's foolish to them. They don't understand it. Why would God put together a plan that would involve water baptism? Why would He do that? I don't understand why we have to get wet for that. I don't know why He chose that. I just know what it does for me. I know that if God came up with it, it's not foolish. Paul goes on to say, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the wisdom of God. It's not foolish, is it? But we keep on working. We keep on working even though the world says, that's foolish, they mock us. Now we always have to remember, if people are offended by the gospel message, there is nothing we can do about that. Only if they're offended by our deliverance of that message. If we are offending people by the way we speak the message, then maybe we need to change our method. We want to always speak the truth in love. Jeremiah received a task, and after having received that task, he had a complaint, didn't he? He didn't really really want to do it, and he demonstrated restraint. That's our second point. He wanted to hold back. He got the message, it's too hard, it's too harsh. I don't really want to do it. In fact, he wanted to quit doing it. He wanted to stop. It was too hard, too harsh. He wanted to go back to doing whatever it was he was doing prior to being a prophet. After all, that would make his life so much easier, right? Or so he thought. What did it do? He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to speak in the name of the Lord. So what did he do? He just had to do it. He didn't have it in him to quit, did he? That's the mark of a true follower of God. I just can't quit. I don't have it in me to stop. 
Would my life in this world be easier? Well, it may be. I may not have to endure some afflictions of this life if I were to deny the name of God. But is it easy in the end? His ambition was too great. He couldn't quit. And the fire in his bones could not be quenched. He couldn't put it out. It was there and it was going to stay there. His desire to quit was easier said than done, right? He just simply had to go on. Ignoring God's message was something that he couldn't do. We need to learn from Jeremiah. Now there are some messages in God's Word that I wish weren't there. Maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe I am. I don't know. There are some difficulties in God's Word where I think my life would be easier if it were not there. But that's the world's wisdom, isn't it? That's foolishness on my part to even think that way because God put it in there. Why? For my benefit. We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness and God gave those to us. Peter said, now that's a hunger. Not being able to stop that. Not being able to withhold the message God has given us. That's a hunger God, Jesus expects all of us to have. Matthew 5 verse 6. An uncontrollable urge. An ambition to do what God wants. That we just simply cannot not do it. You know what an ambition like that does for us? If we allow that to cultivate in our lives... Peter said that when that happens, that allows us to give an answer to any man that asks us of the hope that is within us. Now we'll do it with meekness and fear, but we'll still do it all the same. 1 Peter 3.15 When that happens, he also said we become something special. He said we become a chosen generation. We become a royal generation. Priesthood, we become a holy nation, a special or a peculiar people. It's okay to be peculiar. We want to be different from the world, right? We don't want to dress like the world. We don't want to speak like the world. We don't want to behave like the world. We want to behave like Christians. We want to be peculiar. Why? Because when we proclaim the praises of God, He brings us into a life of light, Peter said into His marvelous light. We're coming out of darkness, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. All those things combined brings us to a very much needed understanding. Now let's notice, in Jeremiah's life, he was faced with a dilemma. He had a complaint about it. It was too hard. It was too harsh. He wanted to restrain himself. He wanted to quit but he couldn't quench the fire. And then he came to understand something. Though there was a complaint, there was restraint. He soon found the wonderful blessings that come with being a saint owned by God. That's our third and last point. The first thing that we see that's a blessing is that God will always be with us. He's not going to strand us. He doesn't expect us to go into the world and face the problems that this world gives us on our own. Now we may not have another person with us. We may have to stand up against everyone else in the world, but God will be with us. And what a blessing that is. Verse 10 tells us, 
what the enemies of Jeremiah was doing to him. Notice what he said as they as he began to describe it. In essence, they were starting a whisper campaign against him, weren't they? They were sneaking around and they were talking about Jeremiah and they encouraged everyone, let's keep an eye on this prophet. Let's watch him. He's bound to step one foot out of line somewhere. And when he does, we'll catch him. And when we catch him, we'll let everyone else know about it. Some of those were his former friends, right? Those familiar friends, those acquaintances that he knew. You know, we expect our enemies to do that. But isn't it hurtful when our friends do that or those people who we believe are our friends? They began to attack his character. But even during all of that, what was one of the blessings? Jeremiah said, but the Lord is with me. Our friends may turn on us. Our families might turn on us. Those who we love may turn their backs. They may... may destroy the relationships that we have with them, but God never will do that. No matter what happens in this life, Jesus said He'll be with us. Matthew 28, 20. Paul celebrated the fact that I can do all things through Christ. Why? Who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. The writer of Hebrews said Jesus would never forsake us. He would never leave us. He will always be right beside us. He isn't going anywhere. Now, I might go somewhere. I might leave Him, Hebrews 13, 5. But the blessing is that He is present. And because of that, Jeremiah could rest assured his enemies would not prevail. And he he boldly proclaimed the punishment that would fall those who rebel against God. Notice what he said. He said, they're going to stumble. They will not prevail. They're going to be greatly ashamed. They would not prosper. And they would witness an everlasting confusion that would never be forgotten. That's what happens to those who stand against God. Oh, well, we might prosper in this world, those of us who who may decide to stand against God, but that's not what Jeremiah is talking about. They will not prosper in the next life. The enemies of God might enjoy the things this life has to offer. We've seen it, haven't we? We've looked around the world and we've seen people who who have lived as ungodly a life as one is able to live. And they seem to always prosper. Everything they touch turns to gold. But you know, there's something that, that they'll never be able to do. They'll never have the opportunity... They'll never have the ability, if they continue to live that way, to make the statement Paul made, I fought a good fight, kept the faith. There's a crown of life laid up for me. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Jesus in his parables talked about those who were given the talents and the pounds. He said that they would hear those who were faithful, well done. Enter into the comfort of your Lord. Isn't that a wonderful statement to be able to hear? Those people who were in derision against Jeremiah, they weren't going to be able to say that. They didn't say that. When they left this life, having not repented, they didn't hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. They heard, Depart from me, because I don't even know who you are. That's not what we want to hear. 
We want to enjoy the blessings of heaven. But if we're going to enjoy the blessings of heaven, we have to have the ambition of Jeremiah. There's no doubt about it. There's no way around it. Now there's going to come a time when we have complaints and, and we restrain ourselves. But if we're saints, we'll enjoy heaven. And we'll be there. But we have to do certain things for that to happen. Just like Jeremiah. It's never changed. God expects obedience. He expects us to do those things that He's laid out for us. If we're going to be able to get to heaven... We have to be Christians. There's no, no way around that. Only Christians go to heaven. Only members of the New Testament church go to heaven. That is the elect. Peter said, make your calling and election sure. God elected for an organization to get to heaven. And that organization is the body of Christ. It's the church, the greatest institution this world has ever known. And we do that in a certain way. We do it through obedience, faith that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. Repentance of past sins. That's what Jeremiah wanted. That was his whole message, wasn't it? You're going into captivity. Babylon is going to destroy you. Repent and turn to God. God expects repentance. Godly sorrow brings about repentance. They didn't need to repent because they were just simply going into captivity. They needed to repent because they hurt God. They were disobedient. Of course, in our dispensation, we have to confess that Jesus Christ is the...